Welcome to Anything Funny. Uh, my name is Kate Murphy. Um, now, if you tuned in our last episode, we were having a very, a very hefty and very deep conversation with a lovely comedian and actor called Sammy. I nearly did it again. It's our name's not Sammy Davis Dobson. Our name is Sammy Dobson, not Sammy Davis Jr. or Sammy Davis Dobson. Her name is Sammy Dobson, Sammy Tinkerbell Dobson, to be exact. That's a full name. And it's not just middle names that we know about Sammy. If you tuned in the last episode, we know we know about her childhood. We know about our relationship with her parents. We know about the fact that she uh, manages and has, since the age of nine, uh, managed OCD. Uh, Sammy has obsessive compulsive disorder. And also um, post-traumatic stress disorder. She, um, Sammy was in a, a car accident a number of years ago and she's, for, for both her OCD and her PTSD, um, gone through therapy, different kinds of therapy, um, all of which she, of course, spoke to us about on our last episode of Anything Funny as part of our mental health season where we meet up and talk with anyone involved in the comedy industry, um, which, of course, involves comedians, um, talking about any mental health issues that they've experienced and dealt with in their life. So it's Sammy's turn again this week because it was it was such a such a good interview that were that she gave us that we're we're spreading her out across two two whole episodes. So you'll be hearing more from Sammy today um, about uh, specifically about her PTSD and how and her car crash and how she experienced that and continues to to manage it um, as as her life goes on. Um, so. As as we did last week, um, just a little a little disclaimer to give you. Um, if you don't know by now, um, it's about PTSD and it's about a number of mental health issues. So if this is a little bit close to home with you, um, or it's just something that you don't really fancy listening to because it's a bit heavy. I mean, it's funny as well, but it's you know it's 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 a heavy subject. It's it's a little bit difficult to listen to, and it's you know she does go into detail, which is a good thing. Um, but if if that's a little bit much for you, um. Don't tune into this episode. Tune in the into the next episode where we'll be talking about something, something different. Um, so first of all, we're gonna have a little chat with Adele because she's she's been calling. She's been calling and calling. No one's been answering. So let come on. Let's talk to Adele. Let's speak to her. Hello, it's me. One of last year's Eurovision entries. Oh no, you just performed there. Yeah, the first the first American performance at Eurovision was that song, uh, Justin Timberlake, Can't Stop the Feeling. Last year's. Um, you are listening to anything funny. Before that, we had a number of very good songs, including the sound by the 1975. At the minute, right now, you're listening to me, Kate Murphy, and her. Beth Salisbury, hello. This is Anything Funny, all about the comedy scene of the northeast of England. And as Kate mentioned in the introduction, we now have our interview with Sammy Tinkerbell Dobson. 
not Sammy Davis Jr. Jobson, um, talking about some serious topics relating to mental health and comedy, including PTSD and OCD. So as mentioned earlier, do take heed if you find those topics distressing. Maybe uh, turn away for the next half hour or so while we're talking to Sammy about these issues. Okay, we all good? We all ready to go? There she is, Mrs. Bulljangles herself. PTSD, you mentioned. Yes. So it's funny because I think, having never experienced PTSD until my car accident and not really fully understanding what it was, talking now about my childhood feels like PTSD. Well, it would do. It, it's not... I don't mean like, um, oh, God, I'm there and I'm feeling it and I'm reliving it. Like I did the car accident. It's the, um, the, the, the brain, the bit of the brain that it seems to engage because what I learned... From the car accident PTSD is the bad thing that happened usually when it's a case of life and death that that yeah your what I will call my monkey brain clings on to because it was we nearly died there but we need to be on high alert in case that ever happens again sure. so it's in your short-term memory on a loop it's there it's trapped it's stuck and it's constantly at the front of your head so when you hear a bang or you smell something or you feel it very sensory very base impulses you are there and you're reliving every moment of it because it's not processed from being the here the now into that was a thing that happened in the memory in the long-term memory it's just there and until you you go through a process in order to process that it that can last decades and that's terrifying but that's how i feel talking about sean i feel like as soon as i start talking about it that i'm teary and it's it's there it's right at the front of the head. It's not It's not something that I can sort of go, oh, yeah, it was a thing that happened in my childhood. The way that I actually can talk about my car accident now, which is interesting because that's the bit of my life that I've had the most therapy about. And I've had the EMDR. Is that right? Eye movement desensitisation. Oh, I don't know what the R means. EMDT. Anyway, basically that that, that is the, the therapy, a form of therapy you can go through to help with PTSD and I have to say for me it worked incredibly well it's a fascinating process what what is it what does it do so basically in very basic terms it triggers REM that pattern of sleep while you're awake to process something that's trapped in your short-term memory as a long-term memory so while you're awake you have to talk in detail over the hardest bits of that experience the worst bits of it the bits that make you cry the second you think about them, that the the things like she would, uh, the woman that got me through this experience, who was incredible, should say start at the start, tell me in detail everything that happened, everything you remember, and the moment it hurts, the mo- moment it's hard, the moment you start crying, that's the bit we're just going to go over and over and over again. It's really exhausting therapy. It's really hard work, and you've got to stick with it. But by God, it's brilliant. And while I'm doing this, she, with a pen, a marker pen, would go back and forward across my eyes and I'd have to follow it as quick as I could. And it triggers, that that motion, that eye motion triggers REM. And it helps this memory, this thing, it helps you unwork it and get the knot out of it and process it and it can go in the filing cabinet at the back of the head. So now the bits of the accident that I so struggled with that I couldn't talk about, I can talk about in conversation and go, yeah, that was really hard it was really awful but I'm not just like oh I'm there I'm living it It, it's really interesting and 
God, I, I was chatting to somebody recently who was, who was an ex-soldier. He served in Kosovo. They had to clean up after the genocide in Kosovo. And he's very much living with the effects of that. And he said, oh, yeah, I've, I've got PTSD. They're going to be doing this thing on us this AM. And I went, right, you're going to want to not do it. You're going to want to give it up. You're going to want to, after that first session, you're going to feel like rubbish. Stick with it. And I promise you, in a few months, you're going to feel different. It's the most transformative process I've ever been through. And at the end of that, after about four years of being depressed and not even realising I was depressed, I got me back. And it was, it felt like, it felt like the colour switched on in Wizard of Oz. It, felt, it really felt yeah. like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much of my energy was in, trapped in that little thought all day. In Asda, in the toilet, in sitting watching the telly, it was just there, ready to go because I was on high alert. It's so interesting. But but if anybody has ever suggested that therapy, and you are warned how exhausting and difficult it can be, it definitely is. But it sometimes you really have to put the hard work in to get the, the product mm. out the other end, and it's so worth it. Would you say that it's it's something that's not for everyone? Do you think some people would? Yeah, that it just wouldn't wouldn't work for some people. I'm sure that's the case with everything, and but the few people I've spoken to who have had it, because it's very few people I know who have, have all said the same thing about it. So luckily, I haven't actually met anyone who it hasn't worked for. But yeah, it might not work for you, and and don't give up if it doesn't, because the thing that didn't work for me definitely might work for you. I had absolutely no success with the CBT. Yeah, none whatsoever. And I've got friends who live and die by it. Everyone's different. And, and one day you will find the one thing that works for you. Cognitive behavioural therapy, Sorry, for yes, those who course. don't know. Um, why, why do you think that didn't work for you? Would you be able to, to explain, if you can, what CBT does, how it does it? I think I rejected it so early I wouldn't know the depth of it. But basically it's, it's the thought that underlies everything and trying to retrain the thought. So in OCD, it's obsessive compulsive thought. For me anyway. Um, it should be OBT. But there's a thought that underpins everything. So yes, I, not me personally, but someone with OCD might flick the light on and off 20 times. But the reason they're doing that, the thought that underpins that's very different to the, the product. So it's the thought that's underpinning it that you need to undo. What I found was the, th the myriad of behaviours that I have were underpinned by different thoughts. And there were so many thoughts to undo and unpick that it became too much work. For me, it was very much an all or nothing. I wanted someone to go, I get rid of all of this for you. Not, mm. well, let's just stop doing that one little thing. How about we start working on that one little thing? And we get rid of that one little thing. And I was like, no, but all of this is still here. <laughs> How long is that going to take? How long will the rest of it take? Can I just keep doing it? It's easier. Yeah. For the stress that this is causing is, I want this much stress for none of it. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to... And I, my greatest fear with OCD was, but this has kept me company since I was nine. My brain constantly works. Constantly is going bah, 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 in the background of everything. What happens then when it's not there? I was really scared of that. I was really scared of what is the quiet. Have you Have you ever experienced it? A life with it being much quieter. I did give up. I give up like it's cigarettes. 
I did stop. What is? It's an addiction? Yeah. It's totally an addiction. It's the most addictive thing I've ever known. Because it's so easy. Like, you know, when people deal with a stressful situation and they have a cigarette or they have a pint, straight away I go, mm, remember that thing I did a few years ago? I'm just going to start doing that one again because no one knows I'm doing that one. And it, it took my boyfriend a long time, a long time for, of living with me to go, I just noticed you do something there. What was it you just did? And then I'll explain to him, oh, um, well, I've had to put it there because... I counted seven times back and forward and the left-hand side's the seventh side. So I've had to put it in that side and he'd go, oh, I see why you did that now. So I just openly explain why I do it. It's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have. There's been periods in my life where I've lived without it. But then always something's happened to take that away. Even after my mum, even after everything that went on there, I tried again through more therapy with help. Good. I was like, right, we can get rid of this once and for all. I can not... I can get to a point where I don't blame myself for these things that happened. Let's go. And I did it again. It was a few... On It was about four months. How did it feel? I didn't even realise. I didn't have the negativity and the, the anxiety and the... It was hard not having a crutch. Um, but it didn't feel like, oh, there's a silence in my brain. I just didn't realise it wasn't there, which was nice. Yeah. That's what I wanted, I suppose. And then my friend went in, my best friend went in for an operation and her heart failed while she had surgery. She was put in a coma for three months and she had to have a heart transplant. Now, unfortunately, after all the things that have happened, no one can tell me. Yeah, but you don't have any effect on the universe. I just go, do you know what? Yeah, I probably don't, but I'm going to do this forever now, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just a serious case of bad luck. (laughs) Really bad luck. So how can I change that bad luck? Well, with OCD. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, um... It's really unfortunate timing. That's all it is. Yeah. And that's the weirdest thing with OCD is being totally rational about your mental illness. I can totally step back and go, oh, of course everything I do is pointless and of course I've got no control over anything that happens and yeah, of course all of those things were bad luck and they've happened over a lifetime like all the bad things that happen in a lifetime but I'm still going to hold my breath at road signs. <laughs> There's not, you can't, no one's going to tell us otherwise now. How long has the rational voice been in your head? Can you can you believe it? Can you listen to it? I've always known to an extent that what I do has no effect. Always. I've always just done it to go, but I might as well. But just in case. Yeah. But for comfort. And I have always equated my OCD with religion. That my rituals are prayer. That's a ritualistic thing I do to keep the people I love safe. That's prayer. When you look at a religion like Judaism and the, the really interesting in, intricacies of things, for example, like the nails have to be cut in a certain order and not in certain days, not on certain days. I look at that and go, but that sounds exactly like things I do. I have my, my list of, th- and then I have my list. Of, so I've got the list of things that I do and then my list of things of getting around the things that I do, much like the rules of set for the Sabbath and we can't switch a light on and off, but we can leave it on on a Friday night and cover it with a cloth and uncover the light. That's that. So it's a really clever way of going, well, I'm still observing these rules that I know keep me safe, but then I can still do these things. And I have those. I have the, right, well, I'll just do that later. Or I, I can justify not having done that this time because. Or the, the silly things. Or like I explained that I have a, a short-term punishment that if I do something that's a minor negative to myself now, then... Nothing bad can happen from that. That can't have a knock-on effect because I've just addressed that now, neutralised it, moved on. 
It used to be that I dug my fingernail right into the tip of that finger. But then I had a permanent mark on my finger. And someone pointed it out one day and went, what's that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I was so embarrassed. One of the few times in my life mm. I've been embarrassed about going, oh, someone's noticed the thing. The bad thing. And it took me a really... It is weird how the, the expression that you used was I can count the number of times on one hand <laughs> the times I've been embarrassed. Is it, it literally land on, on that one finger? hand? Yeah. Oh, but... It felt really embarrassing for a really long time. I talk completely openly about it now, but I find people are very uncomfortable about that. Very uncomfortable about when you When you tell them yeah. about yourself. Yeah. And when I sat my friends down and told them, so this is what I do and this is why I do it and, and what goes on and the looks on their faces and how... Are they surprised about it? Most of them aren't. And people like Rachel, my friend who had the heart transplant, who've been there since day one, who've known every bit of this and why since they just don't care I mean when I was really funny about cleanliness and really like comfortable about eating with cutlery in restaurants and I wouldn't drink out of glasses and I would have to get a can and although I found since then that they're covered in mouse wee don't let that affect you <laughs> <laughs> I don't care anymore I've changed my life uh, but I would like sneak cutlery up my sleeve to the bathroom in restaurants and wash it myself oh. so I'd know it was clean and never eat meat because I was so frightened of getting food poisoning and she'd just accept that. I'd go around and she'd go, oh, here's the cup I'm going to put your juice in. Do you want to wash it? And I'd feel awful going to people's house and be like, I need to wash that cup before they give me some juice in it. And it's going to make them feel awful because they'll think, I think that they're not clean and uh, I'll offer to make the drinks and then they'll not know that that's what I've done. And it was just like this the whole time. So with the with the cutlery thing and the and the cleanliness thing, you've, you've said that the the bottom line of your OCD is oh I need to do this so that I can protect other people is is it just other people is is it ever it's about spread. you it is is it now. ever about protecting you elements of it are certain things aren't so I'd say that the baseline isn't but then it, when my OCD was at its worst it filtered into other areas of OCD I've been affected by every branch of it other than the branch whereby you feel you might accidentally admit to a crime or you feel you're going to be someone's going to arrest you for something you haven't done or you're going to have to prove that I've never I've never had those negative thoughts I've never thought that oh god they're going to think I've done a bad thing when I haven't I did once reverse shoplift but that's I bought a packet of sweets in one shop walked in another shop and went they're going to think I've stolen these sweets and had to put them on the shelf and walk <laughs> away but apart from that I've never been affected by that branch of it but they did start really badly affecting the sort of Hygiene, cleanliness, food hygiene, that, that that area of it. But I have managed to, to an extent, undo that. And and I've, I do it, I make a joke about it on stage of saying that there's certain things I have to do to manage it. For example, in my house, I do all the dishes. Um, I am a feminist, but I am mentally ill. I have to do the dishes. It's like, they're hard to exist next to each other, those things, <laughs> aren't they? So my boyfriend's constantly going, can I just do the dishes? And I'm like, no, you can't, because I have to. And he's like... Then it feels like I'm a really bad man, like with a capital M, like make, making you do the dishes. I'm like, no, no, you're not making me. I choose to do this. So there's certain things like that. This might be something that you've you've never thought about, but I just I'm interested to know what it what it feels like when you carry out what you call the rituals that you have. If I was to describe the kinds of obsessive things that I do. I would describe it as it's like holding a, an inflatable ball under water. 
and you know you know that the minute that you stop working it's gonna it's gonna go like that and you ha- you have to keep it under that's really interesting and i can for me i feel i feel emotions in my throat so if so that whenever i'm like carrying out something i have the punishment thing as well for me it's think about the last really distressful because th- I've, I've always had a problem with um things like you've been framed and mm. seeing people seeing people i know this isn't about me but i'm just i no, think I this will really help this will help w- learn more about you as well um for me anyway so f- anything so i've always been really 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 upset and humiliated and and so distressed by any videos of people getting hurt and then the sound of people laughing at it and the fact that no one is especially when it's children I, to this day I don't understand why people laugh at, at kids falling off a swing on you've been framed because no one's going to help them I like it when this needs spaghetti yeah. <laughs> that's great so for me it's the punishment part is playing over and over and over again the most distressful thing that I've seen or, or heard of in my life and just, and no, you deserve this, you deserve this. Play this back to yourself in detail. And so, but the thing that I want to speak about, because I would describe myself as an all or nothing person as well, one of the feelings that I get from, no matter how ridiculous or time-consuming or exhausting an activ- the ritual is to do, it's, it's... It's so much better doing all or nothing than it is to do something in the middle because it's like, because it's so clean and it's so neat to live your life like that. See now, and God, I wish if my mental illness could help me in this way, I'm not ordered. There's a lot of people with OCD that I've found out about recently and I love the fact it fits into this and I can blame that. I have chaos, so I have to have things exactly where I left them. And the stacks that I've left them in, they look like mad piles. But I know exactly where everything is. I've got control of that chaos. So for me, it's not ordering and filing away neatly and having everything perfect. In my workspace it is, in my workshop, everything has to be in its home. So I can sit down at work and start and work and finish, put everything Why is in. it different there? I Why is the chaos, chaos not there? I don't know. I don't know why these two environments are so different. In my car, I purposely have my car horrible. I have rubbish everywhere and I love it. And it's my one, my car is my safest space. My car sees the truest me and I love it. Um, in the house, I, it's tidy and I like things proper. But I have the whole, rather than run a cloth over this now, because I've got 10 minutes, I want to deep clean this or leave it to be disgusting. Yes. I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's not. Uh, no, it's never the middle. It's messier. It's more disgusting. It feels more disgusting and awful to leave something wishy washy, middle groundy, halfway than it is. I would rather. I would ra- I've said this before. I would rather lie in the dirt than sit on a beanbag in a cafe, because because outside dirt is it's like clean dirt because it's 100% dirt yeah. it's full all dirt yes. that's fine it's n- it's I want to drown I want to bathe dirt. myself in that dirt middle ground dirt with a bit of cleanliness in it is dirt <laughs> it's disgusting I, I, I yeah. understand that yeah 
if I if I clean, and I think this is the thing my boyfriend doesn't understand, where he's like, wow, these things just don't get done, do they? I'm like, yeah, but when they get done, they get done. Yes. I need a whole day set aside, so this is perfect. This it's, So it is the either, yeah, high-end perfect, or, well, there's no point doing it if I can't do it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so satisfying and fulfilling to I love the, and it's the only thing that gets rid of guilt because guilt is my big button as I'm sure it is oh, with you I might huge. as well be a Catholic for the amount of guilt <laughs> exactly. that rests on me all of this religion in this OCD yeah. they may as well they should form a some <laughs> a kind band. of they, yeah they should, they should collab <laughs> at some point um, oh what was I saying yeah because guilt's a huge part of it for me it feels it feels so good to burn myself out and do like loads and loads and loads of like hard long shifts at work like for a week and then and then have a couple of days off than it does to have oh do a half day here and I hate afternoons afternoons are a really messy wishy washy time of day that's really and spring <laughs> all of spring all of spring <laughs> summer is summer is it's hot and it's this and it's, it's blue it's sky and it's, and it's like a full intense 100 percent of what it is spring is like a bit of rain here a bit of, a bit of flowers but yeah that's really so the, interesting i i can I, oh god i can chime with so much of that it's ridiculous do you ever find do you find that the little things you do in the short term the very small rituals the Try and put an example, and then it's such a typical example. If you see something where there's like things that are similar together, and one of them's askew, do you have to rescue it and and put it right? And then you feel like you've pushed the ball down a bit, and that feels good for a moment. It do, it doesn't exist in in that in straightness in right. things being straight for me. I can't because I must be owed about nineteen grand from Asda. The amount of things I've put right on their shelves, I mm. cannot shop in that shop and leave things. I have to straighten the tins and put things back and pick things up and put things back to where the... Or whenever I'm in any sort of shop, if something's in the wrong place or something's askew or not right or they're not even or... Because I think it's something that looks better, therefore it's right, that I've got control of and can make good. Today started, as I approached you with mascara down my face, today started with me having killed a bird while driving. This morning on the way here... I killed a wood pigeon and I'm not going to get over that for a really long time because in my control I've done emergency stop so dangerous I've given myself bruised ribs to save a rat um I I will not kill I eat meat let's not go into that um absolute conundrum but I I cannot <laughs> I cannot get my head around killing a thing so I've stopped that thing living and all I'm going to think about all day is but would pigeons mate for life? Where's its mate? Mm-hmm. How's its mate feeling? What's what's it going to be doing today? I've got no control over this situation and it's going to make me... That, that pain in my chest again, that's going to make me feel like that all day. So my OCD will be higher today mm-hmm. because I will try and control things I can control to alleviate some of that awful guilt I'm feeling about the thing I did that I couldn't control. That is it for me. I, I don't... I know very little about the details of the... Of the car crash that that happened to you, mm. but but I just thought there. Well, hum, humans made for life as well, and that didn't stop that person ramming the car into you. <laughs> no, 
Yeah, I suppose that was his pitch. It's just yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny how it's funny how wanting to protect something so much d protects you so much. Yeah. I, I, the the funniest thing that bird's fine now because it's out of pain. Yeah, you kind of did it a favor. I mean, it might have been mauled by you a fox. A life. Oh god, I can't think about that. That would have been a much worse death yeah. for the bird. Oh, the awful that would young be people around where I live that do torture animals. Um, you you probably gave it the best death that they could have had. Oh, but then would anyone have said that about me had I died in that accident? Uh, no, because you're not a wood pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that's the sort of thing that why am I more valuable than that why do I eat meat let's not get into this let's forget about the meat forget about the meat <laughs> Sainsbury's will, will always be stocked with mints it's just always going to be there um, but the fact that I, the thud the, the dull thud and the feathers that went everywhere and the it's a really it's gonna it's gonna sit with me for a really long time and it would do because it's because it's a car and it's something being hit by a car which of course. You know a little bit about yeah. already. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't think that I didn't sit there yeah, yeah. thinking about my car accident as well because of the dull thud and the oh the, the everything about it. It it does all sort of oh, it's all brought back nasty things. It's yeah. just uh, the 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 biggest joke about OCD for me, the most cruel trick of it all is the reason I think we all do it is to have some control, and the minute you start doing it. You've lost control. Mm. I have no control over my OCD. There's utter control over me. And that was the one thing I had in my mind to regain control. So what I've tried to do now is take charge of my OCD. And I am in control of it. And I don't pick up new little traits here and there. What I've got is enough. And what I do is enough and I can live with it. And that's how I deal with it now. It's it, We just coexist. Is that something that you've learned? Have you had therapy about your OCD as oh, well as the... Oh, loads. Yeah. 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 And I've been told, basically, you're not getting rid of this. Oh, really? And I'm all right with that. And I quite like the fact that somebody said, you're not going to get rid of this. You're going to have to live with this. But what I need you to do is not make it any worse than it is. And I was like, okay, we can do that. I can live like that. That's okay. And it is. It's fine. We all live with our little things and... And now I am okay with it and I'm not embarrassed about it and I'll talk about it openly and it makes people uncomfortable. Now I'm all right with it. We're okay. We get on. It's all right. It used to feel awful. It used to feel like such a burden. I felt so other. I felt so freaky and when I was 16 and so upset about it. And I needn't have. Nobody noticed doesn't matter. And if someone does notice, so what? They definitely do something weirder than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all do something weirder than someone. Yeah. Has... So is that something that they've... Um, that you talked about in therapy, treating it like a friend? That that comes up a lot. No, never. Oh, that's, no, that's, that's, that's just something I've internalised. Oh, good. That, well, you didn't even need to go for the qualifications <laughs> to come up with that. Yeah, something something that the they spoke to me about was um, the horrible thoughts that bother you. They talked about learning to to look at them and give them a wink and a smile and say, "Yeah, okay, it's you again. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start screaming at you because that's not gonna help. I'm going okay. You're my friend, and you're here with me and show showing affection towards the thing that ruins your life. <laughs> Those pervasive thoughts, though, they're the worst. They're, that's my least favorite thing about OCD. 
because I can't control it. It's not a physical thing I can control. That's a thought of, oh, the things that run through my head, the, the things that can stop me in my tracks, like one day you're going to have a baby and you're going to love it so much and one day that baby's going to die. Whether you're here or not to see it, that thing that you're going to love that I don't even have. Mm. Or a vision of being sat at one of my parents' funerals. Or, and honestly now I feel like, and I just sometimes catch myself or I'll I'll be having a lovely cuddle with my boyfriend and then I'll just cry thinking, what if he goes first? (laughs) We've only been together three years, more in my thirties, like it's so stupid. But those are the thoughts that just cut through everything and I can't, I can't give those thoughts a sideways look and go, you're right, mate? Yeah. Because I hate them. That they are, and what I have to do is just go. Usually, it's scrunching my fists up and going like ah, la, 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 something else, and looking at something in the room, going, "Oh, there's a dog. I like dogs. Aren't dogs nice?" And that's the dogs have to win every time, or the raccoons, or mm-hmm. Jeremy Kyle, or whatever's closest and nearest, and can push the thoughts away. That they're they're the worst. Uh, yeah, and I think it's why anxious people are better in crises, because I think we live Prepared. out. <laughs> yeah. We live them out in our heads every yeah. day. Yeah. So when something turns bad or there's a situation or whatever, I am the coolest, calmest person to have around because God, that's so, so I'm weird. prepared for that's this. That's so weird. I've done the training. You've lived your happy life skipping through fields. Yeah. You don't know what to do in anything. <laughs> I do. <laughs> the, the only time that the calmness is there when things are terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I, in the wake of the, the car crash, I did have a good couple of minutes of screaming. Sure. Hanging from my seatbelt, just go, I, I remember screaming, help, I'm frightened, I'm scared, please help, help, I'm frightened, just over and over and over again. And then I thought, right, stop being an idiot, you need to calm down. I can remember the sort of like the shout and voice going, let's assess the damage, because my eyes were still shut. I was so frightened to open them. And I put my hands in front of my eyes and opened my eyes. And only one eye opened. And I went, okay. For me, I had to check my hands were okay first. I don't know why I needed mm. to check my hands were okay. I opened one eye and I was like, oh, I've lost an eye. I can still see pretty well. <sighs> my hands are good. I can still see all right. My hands are good. Right, what what else is going on? I was really scared to look down and see viscera because it felt like my chest had been ripped open. It felt wet with blood and I thought, oh, this is bad. And I looked down and went, this is just surface. This is surface, but it's from the eye. It's surface blood. It's from the eye. That's broken. That is broken. <sighs> the leg is definitely broken. Oh, God. Every time I move and breathe, the leg hurts. Okay, my leg's broken, but I am alive. I've got one eye and I'm alive. All right, I'm alive. I'm not dying. This is good. And it was that sort of having to go through every... Right, what do I need to do? Help. I need to get help. Have you rang for help? You have. Great. Should someone give me a phone? I need to ring my mum because I'm not coming home tonight and she needs to know from me that I'm okay. My mum is as anxious as I am, so I had to do the whole... Hello, ma'am. I've been in a bit of a car accident. I'm okay. My leg's broken. No, I'm fine. I'm not dead. I'm speaking to you. I remember this verbatim. And then I started losing consciousness and I was like... Um, I need you and dad to come to Carlisle. I don't know where I'm going to be, but I'm okay. Um, I'm just going to put the man on. And that's when I was just like, oh, that's it. I was like, handed the phone off to somebody. I'm just going to put this man on. He's going to speak to you now. But I've done everything I need to do. I've been breezy. I've spoken to you. You know I'm alive. You know I'm okay. Whatever happens, you've spoken to us. You know I'm going to be all right. Telling you reminded me I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. But it was it was very logical, practical. Every time, you know, I had to go, I'm alive, they're cutting me out now, I'm okay, this is okay, and having to sit very still and being calm about it, and yeah. But the the anxiety had prepared me for that, it absolutely had. Mm. I didn't freak out until they gave me ketamine. 
That's awful, by the way. That was it. Awful. That was so awful. Yeah. But, um, interesting way to learn not to take ketamine. Yeah. <laughs> right, I must put money on my car. Yeah. Um, did you want to... Is that enough? Have you had enough? Did you want to... I don't know if I anything there. more to add, to be honest. You also have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. After all of that merry chat, me and another stand-up comedian, Lee Kyle, who is wonderful, a gifted comic, He, uh, we do a podcast together called Which is the Best, where we compare things with the same or similar names to definitively work out which is the best. For example, yesterday we did Tail, the uh, appendage of a creature, or Tail, a story. Now, what it has turned out over the 80-odd episodes that we've done is that it's basically a thin premise for us to just chat. And over those 80 episodes, we've worked out that we're both quite mad and we're just trying to have a battle now of who's the maddest. So we share a lot of personal stories and weird things from our childhood and interesting things about mental health. And Lee's currently talking through the process of finally going and getting help for his depression and starting to take tablets for that. And we're very open about that sort of stuff. But we do also do daft things. It is, in its essence, a silly comedy podcast. But I think it's a really good way to address mental health issues and sort of... A lot of people say, oh, it's really good because not only does it feel like your mate's chatting, but it makes you feel less mad. Because you go, oh, those are two people that... You know, I've got to know and I like, I like listening to them and they're having a chat and they're madder than I am and it makes me feel a bit happier because they get on with it so I can get on with it. And I, I think that's always a positive, positive thing. I think a lot, a huge amount of the struggle with mental health problems is people keeping them to themselves and being scared to share that. Um, when is the next episode? Out? Yeah, they're every Monday. Uh, they're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the usual places. Start at the start, because it certainly got weirder. <laughs> N-P-I-N-U-N-N-Y